Hey, this is Paul Doherty. I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. We are wrapping up our series, The Anatomy of the Believer. How many have enjoyed this series the last seven weeks? We have talked about mental health, we've talked about emotional health, we've talked about our eyes, our ears, we've talked about our mouth, we've talked about our feet, but this morning we're gonna close the series out talking about our hands. And I wanna title this message, The Future is in Your Hands. The future is in your, turn to someone next and say, the future is in your hands. You know, there's a lot of people that think, no, Paul, the future's not in my hands. The future's in God's hands. The future's in, you know, my boss's hands. The future's in somebody else's hands. The future's in our president's hands. I want to tell you that your future is truly in your hands. That God cannot control your happiness. God cannot control your joy. God cannot control you making the right decision. I'll never forget being in fourth grade. My teacher, Mrs. Borner, in her classroom, she had a poster board on the wall that says, attitude determines altitude. And who's in charge of our attitude? Is it my wife's job? Is it the church's job? How many of y'all know I'm in charge of my attitude? All right, four of y'all. The rest of you think it's your pastor's job to fix your attitude. No, no. My attitude is in my hands. My joy is in my hands. My future truly is up to the decisions I make. Well, you say, well, no, Paul, I can't, I can't really control the future. I can't control what the weather does. I can't control what my boss does. I can't control how my family treats me. You're right. You can't control what others do to you, but you can control how you react to others. You can control how you react to the weather, how you react and respond to life's circumstances. The future is in your hands. Your best days are in your hands. Your best days, the days you've been dreaming about, the desires that are in your heart, they are in your hands. And the sooner we figure out that that idea right there, the better. This past weekend, my wife was out of town for a few days. She went to go preach at a women's conference. And and I was blessed to take care of the three boys for a little bit with the help of mother-in-law and father-in-law. But for a little bit, mother-in-law and father-in-law went out on their own little date. And so there I was taking care of my three boys, Mac and Liam and Benaiah, and they were rowdy and they were moody and they were screaming and crying and kicking and fighting. I was trying to separate them and I was thinking, where do they get this from? And then I realized all the seeds I sowed with my parents when I was a little boy, I'm getting a harvest back on, on the way that I was with my mom and dad. And, 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 during the middle of the night, Liam really wanted to sleep with me because he knew, you know, mommy was out of town for a night. And I said, Liam, listen, you're going to sleep better. I'm going to sleep better if we're in our own bed. Like, you're going to kick me all night. And who knows, I might, you know, fall over and accidentally hit you with my hand. So you just sleep in your bed. And, you know, so I, I stayed in his bed just for a little bit, read him some stories, tried to get him to go to sleep. He kept waking up in the middle of the night, trying to sneak in the bed, kept trying to get him to go back to his bed. Finally, I was too tired. He crawls in my bed, 4 a.m., around 5 a.m., 5.15, you know, he runs in Benaiah's room. They come running in the room at 5.30 a.m. I was thinking, it's Saturday morning. I'm gonna sleep in at least till 7 a.m., but no. My kids wanted to control my day that day. And you know, they came in and they're crying, screaming, I want eggs, you know? And so I get up and start making them eggs and and waffles. And I had to make a decision that day, that I had to make a decision if I was gonna have a good attitude or a bad attitude. And I wanna tell you today that the future truly is in your hands. God cannot dictate how you react to life's circumstances. And you might be here today and say, man, I've been dealt a bad hand, Paul. I I grew up in a a rough home. I've been dealt, you know, the wrong genes. I've got generational curses and addictions. Alcohol is just a, it's always going to be in my family. No, I'm telling you today, the future is in your hands. You don't have to be handcuffed to the generational curses of yesterday. You don't have to be handcuffed to a bad attitude. You don't have to be handcuffed to a pity party to always feeling like life is knocking you down and kicking you down. Today, you have the key to set your hands free. You have the key to set your hands free. Ephesians 4, verse 28. If you have a Bible, you could turn there and you can make some noise. Come on. The golfers get louder than that when Tiger Woods wins. I'm wearing my... Master's jacket today. 
We, we get excited about the Word of God. Come on, let's cheer for Ephesians 4, 28. Boomer sooner. Paul the Apostle said, if you are a thief, if you've been using your hands as a klepto, if you've been taking what's not yours, stop it. Instead, use that, that energy, that desire to grab stuff and hold stuff. Use your hands for good. Use your hands for good. Let's say that together. Use your hands for good. Our hands are often tempted to do things they should not do. From the very beginning of time, God put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, you can take from any tree you want. I've given you hands, 10 fingers, two hands, 15 joints, and these hands are meant to cultivate the garden. Seeds and, and harvest, and I want you to name animals. I want you to take care of each other. Use your hands to comfort each other. Use your hands for good. But what did the serpent do? He turned their hands to grab what they shouldn't grab. And what happened was from that point on, the hands started to be used for all kinds of evil. It was Cain's hands that killed his own brother. It was, it was the hands of Joseph's brothers that threw him in the pit. It was the hands of, of, of David that killed Goliath, but it was also the hands of David that committed murder and adultery. It was the hands of the Israelites that, that held them back from going into the promised land. They felt handcuffed to the wilderness, handcuffed to their past, complaining about what they didn't have, complaining that they didn't have enough, that their hands weren't strong enough to take down the giant. It was their hands that were holding them back. Who or what is controlling your hands? I was looking at, and scientists said that our hands are probably the most addictive part of our body. That our hands love to grab things, touch things, hold things. And, and there's some sort of addiction that's connected to our hands. We always got to be holding our devices. In fact, the top 10 addictions in the world revolve around our hands. Gambling is one of the biggest addictions. It's the, it's the feeling of holding the dice, holding the cards, holding the lever. It's the idea of using your hands to coordinate something with your eye. The alcohol is one of the biggest addictions that grabbing the alcohol, holding the Jack Daniels, holding the whiskey, something about lifting it to your mouth, hand to mouth, cigarette smoking. They say there's something about holding the cigarette. There's something about the drugs in your hands. Our hands are so addictive. They want to do something. Your hands were meant to be used. And Paul said, since your hands love to do stuff, use your hands for good. Don't stop using your hands. Don't stop using your hands. Just channel the energy for good. It's interesting, right now in South Korea, the number one addiction is internet addiction. And Denzel Washington recently had said something about it that I thought was so interesting and important that I think the church needs to see and hear. So I want you to check this out. It has to do with what or who is controlling your hands? Check this out. People have to understand, are you using your device or is your device using you? Can you put it down? Can you turn it off? If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Hmm. Uh, what do you do? That's the great question. What is the long-term effect of too much information? One of the effects is the need to be first, not even to be true anymore. So what a responsibility you all have to be, to tell the truth, not just to be first, but to tell the truth. We live in a society now where it's just first. Who cares? Get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care who we destroy. We don't care if it's true. Just say it. Sell it. My biggest concern is, uh, is the unfettered access to, to social media and cell phones, quite frankly, because there's a biology to these things that are as addictive as alcohol, nicotine and gambling. Right now a family is out to dinner at a restaurant, not enjoying each other's company, but each staring into the screen of their choice, completely ignoring the family members. And this is mom, dad, and the children all doing the same thing while they continue to eat. They did it the entire meal. Right now, an infant is getting their first iPhone and learning to tap and swipe all while drooling on it. 92% of two-year-olds play video games because that is what parents are putting in front of their precious children to keep them entertained and quiet. This is your life now. No natural behavior. Everybody's wearing clothes they don't want to wear. Everybody's showing up and doing something they don't want to do. They have no connection to. That's the problem with our society. 
And then what's the reward for all this stuff? Go home, get a big TV. Go home, you're gonna get a shiny belt buckle. You're gonna get a nice purse. You're gonna wear shoes that you couldn't afford last week. You're gonna get that dream car. And every week we're chasing down this new object. And every week we're trying to fill this hole. We now know that many of the major social media companies hire individuals called attention engineers who borrow principles from Las Vegas casino gambling, among other places, to try to make these products as addictive as possible. In South Korea, internet addiction is classified along with alcohol, cigarettes, and gambling as an addiction. You know, it's about balance. It's not that they're inherently bad, and it's, it's not that texting or social media is inherently bad, but it's when it gets out of balance. Um, if somebody carries their phone wherever they go, like they, they physically feel anxiety if they, if they put it down. Um, when they're with their friends and have to have it up the entire time looking at the phone while they're with their friends. You know, when they wake up in the morning and check their phone before they say good morning to the person sleeping next to them. These are problems. This is out of balance. I'm not knocking the phone. What I'm saying is we have to understand, we have to at least ask ourselves, around the world, you, here in England, wherever you are, what is it doing to us? What is it doing to us? What or who is controlling our hands? And our hands, they, they really do love to have something in them all the time. And the Bible doesn't say, you know, stop using your hands or you can't have certain things that, that, that are good. It's about balance, right? That's, that's what they were saying. It's about balance. And what I want to share with you today is that God has given you hands for good. God has given you hands to change your future, to change the world. God asked Moses in Exodus 4 verse 2, what is in your hand? What is that in your hand? Moses said, it's a stick. It's a staff. It's not much. Moses had been giving excuses to God about why he was the wrong guy to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, why his hands were too weak, his voice was too weak, his life was, you know, he had been dealt the wrong hand, he couldn't do that, and God said, I'm going to use what's in your hand, the little that's in your hand. It's amazing when we bring our natural, what's in our hand, God turns it into something supernatural. When you bring something common, God says, I can use that, I can use that stick, I can use that, that basketball, I can use that desire to create, I can use you, Paul, I I can use you. I can use what's in your hand. Today, I want to talk to you about really surrendering your hands to God, allowing God to use your hands for good, allowing God to use your hands to change your family and to change the world, to change your future. What is in your hand? My parents went to Sierra Leone in 1999, and when they went, it was a civil war time for Sierra Leone, the western part of Africa. And um, they took my brother John with them. They were going to be doing crusades there. And so as they're getting up in front of the people, they knew they were going in during, during a dangerous time. In fact, a lot of, of the church said, don't go. We don't want to lose you, Billy Joe. We don't want to lose you, Sharon. This is, this is too dangerous. You're going at a very dangerous time. But they felt a peace in their heart. They went anyways. And what had happened was there was a movie made around this same time. What had happened there is a government leader had been trying to stop the Civil War. There was a rebel army called the RUF Army that had been going in and killing thousands of people. In fact, during a span of six years, almost 300,000 people in Sierra Leone were killed at the hands of this rebel army. And the government leader ran with a, a slogan. He said, the future is in your hands. In other words, he said that this slogan was postered all over Sierra Leone, go out and vote, go out and vote. We can change what's happening in our country. This president had a plan. He had been working with Great Britain. They were gonna change what had been going on, the war over the diamond mines in Sierra Leone, that there was a whole lot of uh, uh, just corruption that was happening. And so he put the slogan up, the future is in your hands. Well, the rebel army came in and they started chopping people's arms off. They said, if the future is in your hands, we're gonna cut off your future. And the enemy army, the rebel army came in. So when my parents showed up, there were hundreds of amputee refugee camps with thousands of amputees there just crying. And they went in and God used the message from this church to come and bring healing and hope. That same month that they went in March of 1999, something miraculous happened. The civil war started to stop. That same week, there was shouting in the streets. God showed up in Freetown, Sierra Leone, stopped the rebel army, brought healing. There were even arms that were growing back during 
during that week in Sierra Leone. The future shifted for the country. When Jesus gets involved, you might say, Paul, I can't do it with my hands. You're right. With our hands, we can't change the future. But when we link hands with God's hands, nothing is impossible. When you reach your hand out to God's hands, nothing is impossible. You know, I want you to think about, imagine that you're down in a pit and you're down there and God's reaching his hand. All you have to do is reach your hand up and God will pull you out of that addiction. He will pull you out of that depression. He will pull you out of that hurt. He will pull you out of that unforgiveness. But you have to reach your hand out and connect with God's hand. The future is in your hands. The Bible gives us really a few different ways that our hands can bring freedom into our life. And I think first off, that the first thing that we see in scripture is that our hands were created to serve. Your hands were made to serve. Right here in our church, we sent out yesterday 210 people from our church, north, south, east, and west, to go and serve our city with a walk it out outreach. It was amazing hearing the reports that all over our city, people's lives were being impacted, people got saved, people got healed yesterday, we were able to give out diapers, we were able to bless a whole lot of people in Mohawk Manor, Tulsa Dream Center, we were down here 61st in Peoria, we were out at the laundromats paying for people's laundry, that was your generosity as a church, you went out and served our city. If you showed up to the outreach, would you stand up? I want to honor all those who came and gave part of their Saturday morning to be a part of Walk It Out Outreach. Come on. Amazing, amazing, amazing all over this place. I walked up to one dad yesterday in our church and he had his two little kids, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, And he said, you know, my kids are so used to playing with video games. They're always playing games on their phone. They're always watching TV. And I wanted to get their hands out serving their city, serving their neighbors. Something happens when we shift our hands from me-focused entertainment to going out and serving other people. My dad was always encouraging John and I, my brother and I, to go out and serve our neighbors, to go and rake their yard and and no strings attached. Don't ask for money. Go shovel the snow when it snows once a year in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Come on, the blizzards in Tulsa, right? The, The crazy seasons where all of a sudden it just snow and ice hits our city. And he would say, go out and serve. And we'd be like, are are they going to pay us? And he'd be like, serving is no strings attached. It's amazing when you start serving, God starts blessing your life. When you open your hands and say, I'm not just giving, hoping that you're going to give me something back. I'm giving with no strings attached. I'm serving. This is what God created our hands to do, to serve one another. Philippians 2 says, have the mindset of a servant. A servant, just like Jesus Christ, serve others in need. While we were serving at 61st in Peoria, a police officer stopped us yesterday. And he said, what church are you guys from? We said, victory. He said, I want to say a word to the church. Does anyone have a phone? Can you capture? I'd like to just say a word to them about how much this means to this neighborhood. I want you to see what he had to say. Check this out. Officer Floyd, I'm a community resource officer for the 61st in Peoria area, one of the most dense areas in the city of Tulsa. Um, In this area, two out of every four kids live below poverty. And so to have someone come in and do something like this for this community is big time. And it's not just about a couple of hours. What you guys did today, Victory, was make a lifetime statement for these kids and for the adults in this neighborhood. So we want to thank you, Victory. We're just pouring into this community. Uh, it means a lot, man. Uh, all this community is asking for is a hand up, not a handout. That's good. And so we thank you, and we, we just thank you for blessing this community. We, uh, we pray that you guys continue to come back, uh, whether it's through your works, through your prayers. Uh, just give this community hope. Thank you. Come on, isn't that powerful? Give a hand up. Give a hand up. Pull somebody up. Man, when you serve, you change a generation. I want to just give a shout out to the ushers, the greeters, the children's church, servant leaders, the nursery, the youth. If you serve in this church, Tulsa Dream Center, would you stand up if you serve anywhere in this church during your week, during your month, you give of time, effort, energy. You don't get paid to do it. You do it because you love God. You love people. Come on, cheer on these amazing servant leaders. Your hands are touching the world. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing when we use our hands to serve. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. Some of us in this room, well, I've graduated serving. 
You know, I earned my degree. I served when I was a kid. I've already done all the serve. I've, I've retired from serving. You never retire from serving the kingdom of God. You might retire from, from work, but don't retire from serving God's kingdom. God has a plan to use your hands to serve his purpose. And you have something in your hands that I don't have. You can touch people. I can, you can impact people. I can never impact I'm so thankful for those who serve in our children's church because my kids, they're being taught the word of God. They're being loved on. They're being discipled. And, and, and I just we could go into every area, the youth and the nursery, this generation, this, this society needs a church that moves outside of its four walls and touches during the week and impacts and serves those people. You could literally apply this message tonight, tomorrow. You could go out and help somebody carry groceries out of a grocery store, open the door at a gas station, pay for somebody's gas at Quick Trip, do something with no strings attached, serve your neighbor this week. And when they say, why did you do it? Say, because I love Jesus and Jesus loves you. Man, and I'll tell you this, when you serve, God starts opening doors for you. Number two, God's given us hands to work. Hands to work. Two people said amen right there. <laughs> work. That's an Old Testament thing. Grace, baby. Grace. Well, the same guy that talked about grace talked about work. Paul said in Colossians 3.22, you're not working for a boss. You're working for the Lord. So don't put in shoddy work, he said. Give it all you got. Show up on time. Stay a little late. Be the most excellent worker wherever you work because you're working for the Lord as if his eyes were watching you. We should be known in our city. Wherever we work, they should look at you and go, you must go to Victory Church because you are an excellent employee. You show up. You wear what we asked you to wear. You do what we've asked. You are an excellent. We need to promote you. This happens. I get, you know, emails of people in our church that say, you know, because you always talk about us, making sure that we're responsible for our attitude, we're responsible for our peace, our joy. I've been doing that on the workplace, and I got promoted. You know, a few weeks ago, we had Marquise get up and share his testimony, and he said something that stood out to me. He said, God has continued to bless me, bless me so much in the form of more work. I thought, that's, that's an awesome way to look at it, because oftentimes, God's blessings are disguised as W-O-R-K, right? The dreams in your heart will not come to pass with good intentions. You gotta get out and work. You gotta get out and work. Proverbs 16, 27 says, idle hands are the devil's playground. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. When you're not doing anything with your hands, you start to do stuff you shouldn't do with your hands. My parents used to encourage us, you know, be busy, play sports, study instruments, study your, in school, be in academics, keep your hands working, get a job. Any job is a good job. Any job is a good job. So, you know, we'd mow lawns and then I got a job working as a kids counselor. Then I got a job as a janitor at ORU for a couple years. And they would just encourage us, don't sit with idleness in your hands because you start doing things that you shouldn't do idle hands. In other words, when your hands aren't working, they're wired to do something. And if they're not working, they just start doing things they shouldn't do or they become lazy. Proverbs 21 verse 25 says, despite their desires, the lazy hands will come to ruin for their hand refuses to work. In other words, desire is not enough. Like the desire for a good marriage is not enough. You got to work to have a good marriage. The desire to see your dream come to pass, to be a millionaire, is not enough to just have the desire and put it in your journal. You gotta go work. And any job is a good job. Start working wherever there's a job. Well, they want me to work from nine to five. Well, they want me working four days a week. Welcome to the real world. <laughs> Listen, guys, God is pleased when we use our hands to work and cultivate and allow the dreams that he's put in our heart to come to pass, to pay off those debts. God did not put us on this earth constantly to be the borrower and not the lender. God has called you to prosper, but it requires you to get to work, to do some work. Our hands were created to do this. Blessings, miracles, and opportunities will come your way disguised as W-O-R-K. Number three, our hands were made to create. Our hands were made to create. Is there any musicians in the house today? Any songwriters in the house today? 
Any inventors today? Come on, where's the inventors of 2018? God has given us creative hands. The same creative power from, from the creator of the universe was put inside of men and women. That Listen, the chair you're sitting in, the lights you see, the stage that you see, this microphone, it was invented. It was created by someone who started using their hands instead of to play video games or to scroll through Instagram all their life to start inventing things that no one had seen before. Thomas Edison used his hands 10,000 times trying to configure a way to make a light bulb, and finally it happened. The Wright brothers used their hands to imagine what they could build. They didn't just dream about an airplane. They started working on the first airplane. Henry Ford, I could keep going here. George Washington Carver, he had a peanut. What's in your hand, God asked Moses. It's just a stick. What's in your hand, George? It's just a peanut. This is all there is to it. God said, there's more to the peanut. I put creativity inside you. Imagine what the peanut could do. And George started using his hands, using his hands to develop all the different ways that now we use the peanut. When I was writing songs as a worship leader for our church, God started allowing me to have this idea to start creating all kinds of different songs for our church. God wants us to operate with creative hands. My art teacher in school, she used to start a prayer off. Miss Judy McIntosh, she'd say, let's pray. Oh, great artist of the universe. I love that. The great artist of the universe, creator. Lord, bless my hands with creativity as I get ready to paint or sculpt this or draw this. You see, God has given each of us creative genius on the inside of us. You have creativity. I believe that the future Steve Jobs is sitting in this church. I believe the future Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates is sitting in this church. The world is waiting for Christians that would rise up and link their hand with the greatest artist of all time and say, let's create something that could change our nation and the nations of the earth. Think about Warby Parker. These guys start thinking of ways to sell glasses at a cheaper price and then to give glasses away. Tom's shoes, thinking of ways to sell cool shoes and give another pair of shoes away in another nation. Listen, God has given you businessmen creative, inventive ideas that could change and interrupt and disrupt the system of today. God's given us hands to create. Number four, God's given us hands to love. Hands to love. I'm almost done. Are you getting anything out of this church? Your hands were made for something good. Your hands were made to love. You know, it's amazing how our hands literally have their own language. I, I, I want to just come over here to our amazing sign language team. In every service, this group rotates to do sign language. The language of the hands. The language, yeah, yeah, yeah. The language of the hands. What does love look like? You know, our hands really do tell a story. Our hands tell a story to the people around us. Your body language is speaking. I remember my dad used to show up to football games. And uh, oftentimes, I, I, I would not be doing that well out on the football field <laughs> or my basketball games. I struggled in high school, but I was good in college intramural sports. But he would show up. And he would use his hands to communicate his love for me because he was far in the stands and, and he couldn't shout loud enough for me. He had to protect his voice to preach every week. And, but he would use his hands to communicate encouragement. And I would look in the stands and he would always have two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Go ahead, lift up your two thumbs, church. Right here. Can I tell you, you have the power to love people in your life with your hands. Our hands were not meant to abuse our family members. Maybe you grew up in a home where they punched you, they slapped you. Maybe you grew up in a home where hands were used to hurt you. But the future is in your hands. I, I can't control the hand that I was dealt. I can't control my past. But the future is in my hands. You can change your future. You can break the generational curse of abuse, of violence in your home. You can start living with two thumbs up for your family members, encouraging each other, hugging each other. And my kids, they, they're all about physical touch. It's like their biggest love language. They always want to give me an ugga-mugga, which is from Daniel the Tiger. They want to rub noses. <laughs> Come on, y'all know Daniel the Tiger? Yeah. And uh, want to rub noses, kiss, hug, and no, uh, another ugga-mugga. You know, okay, all right. 
I'll never forget when Wu Wan transferred from South Korea to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Victor Christian School as a sophomore. It was in 2001. I was 16 years old. He came to our school, went through the whole school year, didn't really even know Wu Wan. And I thought he had friends, and I guess I just wasn't paying attention. He came on our spring break missions trip, and I really wanted to room with my best friends, Daniel, Daniel, and Daniel. Those were, those were three best friends I had. But what happened was the, the people that were overseeing our missions, they, they put us in different rooms. They kind of made sure not just to put all the best, best friends in the same room because they want us to get to know our classmates. So I was placed in the room with Wu Wan. And Wu Wan and I got to know each other a little bit during that week. And the week had gone by, just last night of the trip. And uh, we were all praying for people at the altar, which is in Mexico. And I saw Wu Wan out of the corner of my eye and I felt this impression in my heart. It wasn't the audible voice of God. It was just a little whisper in the heart. Go hug Wu Wan. Go hug, use your hands. Go hug Wu Wan. I thought, yeah, you know, he's a guy, I'm a guy. We're 16 years old. We, you just don't go and hug dudes, you know? Like, and, but I heard God say, just stop it. Go hug him. And so I went over there and I put my arm around Wu Wan. He just looked at me and he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, but I just feel like I'm supposed to come hug you. And I was about to move my arm off and he turns and he just bear hugs me. And I'm kind of standing there. I'm insecure, 16-year-old, looking to see if the Daniels are watching or anybody, not that they would care. Uh, but, you know, I'm hugging Wu Wan right there. And it was hot. It was probably 100 degrees that day in Mexico in that church. We're sweating. For literally 25, 30 minutes, he won't let go. He's bawling. My shirt is drenched with tears. And he backs up and he says, I'm sorry. I've really missed my mom and dad and my brother. And you're the first American to hug me. And I've been living in, in America. I, I left my family in South Korea, transferred here. And I, I've been so far from home and I haven't had my family members. And you're the first American to hug me. And man, when he said that, it hit me. I thought, oh my goodness. We can be so selfish in our society. We can be so inundated and selfie-centered, just scrolling through our devices waiting for someone else to initiate a friendship, waiting for someone else to comment, to like our picture. What about me, 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 my, 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 my? God was like, you see, life's not all about you, man. Life's not all about you. There's people in your life that are waiting for a hug. There's someone in your life that's waiting for two thumbs up. There's someone in your life that's just waiting for you to come and put a hand on their shoulder and say, you're gonna make it. Your best days are in front of you, son. Your best days are in front of you, honey. I'm telling you, I love you. Squeeze someone's hand this week and say, God loves you. Just show them just a, a little sign. Our hands have the power to show love. Let's use them to show love. Amen. All right. Number five, our hands were made to heal. Jesus said, you will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Let's do it right now. If you're sick right now, or you have a doctor's report that's negative about your body, I want you to raise your hand. If you could use healing in your body right now, just lift your hand up. If you need health or healing, you need something to change on a doctor's report. If you're sitting beside someone with their hand raised, would you put your hand on their shoulder or maybe hold their hand and just pray for healing for them right now? Our hands were made to bring healing into the world. Lord, I pray right now as believers lay hands on the sick that they shall recover. Lord, I thank you that your word is coming to pass, that our hands were made to bring healing to the earth. So Lord, I pray for emotional healing. I pray for healing in the brain, healing God in their mind. I pray for healing in someone's back right now. There's power flowing through your hands. You don't even realize it. When you open your hands up to be used by God, God says you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In Jesus' name, I pray for peace, God, that's being released out of someone's hand. God, I pray in Jesus' name for love that's being released this week. I pray in Jesus' name for healing of cancer. In Jesus' name, every sickness and disease has to bow at the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for miracles happening right now, even in this service. Healing hands in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 And lastly, our hands are, are created to give. Our hands are created to give. Proverbs 11, verse 24 says, the world of the giver, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Your hands were made to give. Now, now, this is, a, this is 
an exciting part of the service. I'm about to share a, a secret with you that no one else knows outside of this room that didn't come to church this morning or last night. How many of y'all would like to know a secret that's happened at Victory? Not enough people. I'll wait till next week. Come on. God has opened the door for an amazing, generous situation that's about to happen through this church. And it really dates back a, a long time ago. To tell this point, I really have to tell a story. Because when I was a kid, I remember we were renting the Maybe Center. We didn't have this auditorium you're sitting in. This was built in 2007. But for, for 20 plus years, our church would rent the Maybe Center every week. It was a mobile uh, church. I mean, we, we were meeting in the Maybe Center. Before that, we were meeting in a parking lot. We were meeting, I mean, we were meeting in a tent. We were believing God for our own auditorium. And I remember when I was 12 years old, my, my mom and dad dropped me off at youth group. I asked them to drop me off far away from my friends because I didn't want them to see my mom's van pulling up and dropping me off in front of the teenagers. But I asked my parents that night, is it ever a vision in your heart to have, have our own like youth building, next generation center, a place you know, where teenagers could call their own and, and something that's really on the same side of the street as, as the rest of the campus? And, and my parents, they said, yeah, you know what it actually is. We, we've talked about, we've dreamed about one day having a, a, a youth center, a center for next generation that's really on the same side of the street as the church. Because parents would always say, man, I feel like I'm dropping my teen off almost at a separate church. It's like two miles down the road. It would be really nice if, if, there, if the youth group was happening right here next to the church building. And, and I didn't know this, but my dad had started to make some ideal plans, some blueprint plans. And during that time, his uh, associate pastor, Pastor Bruce Edwards, who's here this morning with us, I'm so thankful for Bruce Edwards. If you know him, you know how much of a, a key part of this church he's been. And he's typically at Saturday night service, but I asked him to come this morning as I get ready to share some exciting news with you. So time went on, nothing happened with, with uh, you know, building a youth center or youth group place. Uh, we continued to utilize that building for our school of worship, our Victor Bible College, our, our, our continual discipleship classes and uh, youth group that happens there every week, all kinds of different things. I mean, it's constantly filled with people, people, people. All of our buildings that we've done as a church is all about people. It's never been about a building. It's always been about reaching more people. And when my father passed away, I remember during that time just thinking, man, I, I wonder, you know, what's going to happen with some of the vision that was in his heart, some of the vision that we even talked about. And one day I was sitting in the office with Bruce Edwards and my mom, she was serving as the interim pastor. I hadn't become the pastor yet. And I said, hey, what about, you know, we just built these Victory Bible College dorms. And wouldn't it be cool if we had like a, a place that, that would hold like the youth group and the Victory College and the School of Creative Arts, like the worship, School of Worship and, and the studio and, and, and graphics and all that kind of stuff where, where we were training up because the next generation needs it. I mean, right now, this is the most susceptible generation to depression, to walking away from God, walking away from absolute truth. Right now, this generation, only two out of 10 uh, people that were born after 1997 still believe that, that God and the church is relevant for their life, which means that this is a generation that is desperate for truth, desperate for love, desperate for hope, desperate for realness, uh, like real, real church, not just fake, you know? And, and so I started, you know, stirring it up and Bruce and my mom said, you know, that's, that's been a vision. Like your dad's talked about that. There's blueprints laying around here. And so we prayed about it, talked to the board about it. Again, just, you know, wasn't the right time until this year. And um, Dr. Billy Wilson, who's the president of Oral Roberts University, reached out to me, said, hey, would, would Victory be interested in potentially selling uh, the building at 81st in Delaware, the, the building where you have youth group and Victory Bible College and and I started to think about all the seeds Victory has sown into ORU over the years. This ministry has sent more students to ORU out of our school, out of our Bible college, out of our church than any other ministry that we know of. It's, it's an amazing connection. God has connected Victory and ORU literally like at the hip. We're like together in this. But he said, do you think, you know, that building was built by Oral Roberts. That was their, one of their first buildings over here in South Tulsa they built. Do you think Victory would be interested in selling it? So I started talking to the board. I said, you know, if we were to sell that, we could build 
our own new building on this side of the street. We could bring all of those ministries. The youth has always wanted to be connected to parents and our youth group's been growing like crazy in the last few months, like preparing, like needing to be expanded and grown beyond the room that they've been meeting in. And, and then on top of that, our Victor Bible College, in order for it to grow, like we, we have to get it. How awesome would it be for college students to wake up from their dorm room and be able to walk to class on the same side of the street? These dreams, all of a sudden the board started going, this is God. And the board began to pray on it and ORU decided, you know, let's do an appraisal on it. Let's see what the appraisal comes back at. ORU has made an offer to buy that building and that land and the board has voted to accept their offer for $7 million. We are closing on the first week of January and we're gonna get ready to build right here on this side of the street, a next generation center for teenagers, for college students, for kids. Our best days are right in front of us, church. Come on, get ready. Get ready, get ready. This is so exciting. You don't even realize like this is amazing. It's a miraculous. Okay, now you might be wondering, when are we gonna build it? How are we gonna build it? What's it gonna look like? Where is it gonna be built? Is it gonna be built over here, over there? I'm glad you're asking. We're gonna do, we're gonna give you more information. Um, in the weeks and months ahead, we're gonna do a whole vision on this specifically in November after our Hush Room series in October. But guys, it's time to go after the next generation like never before. It's time to reclaim a generation for the future, for the future, for your kids, your, your children's children. Man, I just get excited for what God has in store for victory. I wanna show you a video of what this is gonna look like. Again, this is just a sneak peek. There's gonna be more details coming in the weeks ahead, but check this video out and then we're going to come to a, a time here of worship and giving here at the end. Check this out. Hey, Pastor Paul here, and I wanna let you in on some really, really exciting news. In fact, this news that I'm about to share with you has been a vision that's been stirring in my heart for seven years. When my dad passed away in 2009, I found some blueprints in his office about the expansion and the future growth of our ministry and the idea of centralizing our campus. What would it look like to bring the college here, to bring our youth group here, to bring our children's church down from the third floor to the first floor with their own space, to have room for growth and classes and expansion connected to our worship center. God has opened the door for us to be able to sell our land and building Victory College to Oral Roberts University. With the sale of that land and building, that allows us to get started on this future vision. It gets us on a great path of running towards seeing this new building being built right here, the potential to purchase four acres on the backside of our property right by Victory Park, and the potential to make renovations in our Victory Christian School building. This is such an exciting vision for us because when my parents had the vision to build our worship center, they knew someday this pad would be a connection building. They even made sure that the wall on the far side of our worship center would be a non-load-bearing wall. We had a vision for growth and expansion even when we were building that building. So we're asking for your prayer and your support. Let's do this together. Let's grow, let's expand, let's continue building the kingdom of God for the future. And I'm telling you, our best days are right in front of us. Come on, Jesus. So now you know, the secret's out. And we do plan on bringing the children's church from the third floor down to the first floor. We've had a lot of parents say, man, be awesome to have kids down here on the first floor, you know, walking up that three flights of stairs and the, the, ele the one elevator back there would be awesome. So this is gonna prepare the expansion for children's church, youth, Victory College, bringing over the School of Worship, our School of Creative Arts, preparing for growth for what God has in store. At the end of your row, there's two things I want you to pass down, and everyone, please take one. Even if you don't plan to give, there's one card that says, for the future, and then there's envelopes, brand new Victory offering envelopes. And I wanna encourage you to take one, even, even if you already gave or you don't plan to give today, just to put it in your Bible or take home and put it in your car, because I believe God's about to unleash and release more in this church and through this church to touch the city, to touch our state, to touch our nation and the nations of the earth. I'm gonna invite Pastor Bruce Edwards up here to uh, say a word over our offering and get ready to pray over it. Yay! This is exciting, Pastor Paul. 
when uh, Pastor Paul called and we were talking, he was sharing the opportunity that he just laid out here with ORU wanting to buy our Bible school building and then sharing his heart about reaching this next generation and positioning the church to grow. God just began to stir my heart and excitement began to rise up inside of me. And I began to think about times of prayer and conversation with Pastor Billy Joe as we were birthing uh, this worship center, this Lewis campus. He drove in one day across the, on the other side of Lewis in the parking lot of ORU. This was just vacant land. It was a pecan farm. God dropped a vision in his heart. And he took out a pad of paper and he began to sketch what God was showing him. The buildings that were being, that would be here. And how the, out of these buildings, we would, from 7700 South Lewis, reach the nations of the world. And in those plans were the things that Pastor Paul was just sharing. Yeah, there's a worship center. There's a school. The Bible school was to be here. The youth, the children, all of the things, reaching, training up students that we would send out to the name, all happening right here from 7700 South Lewis. That's almost 40 years ago. But God's faithful. And step by step, God would just open a door and we'd buy the land. We'd build the school building. All this time we're using other buildings. Pastor Paul alluded to we were in a tent. We were in a car lot. We rented a Thoreau building from Tulsa Public Schools. Uh, T.L. Osborne gave us his building. We had to pay to remodel it where we had the Bible school for a while. Then the OREA building, which is the Bible school building now. We've used different buildings for a season. And then God would open a door. We met in the maybe center. Then build the worship center. What I'm saying is this, what Pastor Paul said, is part of the original vision. This is part of building what God has called us to do. And what stirs me is the purpose of it. To reach the next generation. Hear me, church. This is an hour in time where the church needs to get focused and have an intentional purpose of reaching this next generation. This Z generation, 86 plus million who don't know the Lord, who a small percentage, two out of ten, who even begin to likely believe. It's time for us to, to do our part. That's what this is all about. If you want to change a nation, if you want to change the world, the only way that happens is if we reach the next generation with the gospel of Christ. That's what we're preparing to do. To do our part, we're not the only ones, but we're going to do it better than we've ever done it before. It's always been part of our vision, but we're going to position ourselves to do it better than we've ever done before. That building is selling. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. That God, in His infinite wisdom, positioned everything for this particular moment. Now, here's the deal. We need to rise up and do this. Two things we need to be doing, church. You need to, one, be praying. Be praying for Pastor Paul and Pastor Ashley and the team as they continue to put together the overall plan of transitioning from that Bible school building onto this campus. A lot of it's already underway, and he's sharing part of that. And as he shared over the next several weeks, we'll be sharing more details about it as all of those details become come together. We've got to get everybody that's in that building over here on this campus. This isn't just something that would be nice to do. This is something we have to do. And so be praying for God's wisdom, and then be praying for what your part is. Every one of us have a part. And there will be a, a, a specific time of, of commitment as Pastor Paul shares the vision and begins to stir our faith, to begin to stretch our faith in the things that God wants us to do. When Nehemiah shared the vision to the people about building the wall, the temple had been rebuilt, but the walls had not been built. Seventy years. For one reason or another, didn't get built. And then God dropped it in Nehemiah's heart. One of God's young generals. God uses young men to inspire us. He used Joshua and Caleb and Joseph and Nehemiah. He used Pastor Billy. Pastor Billy Joe got that vision in his late 20s. And then birthed it in his 30s. Now here's young Pastor Paul in his 30s with the same vision. Stirring us up. Preparing to lead us into, into this. 
The people of God responded to Nehemiah. And what I'm challenging us and what I'm saying, Pastor Paul, is just like the people in the day of Nehemiah. They said, let us rise up and build. And I'm saying, let us rise up and build. We can do this with God's help. Take your offering. I want to pray over it. I want to pray over you. Father, thank you, Lord, for vision. Thank you for leaders who will inspire and stretch our faith. Lord, that we would enlarge our tent of meaning. We would, Lord, lengthen our cords and strengthen our stakes. We would stretch our faith. I pray for every person here. Lord, stir us up. I pray for the seed that's being sown today, Lord. Let it be multiplied. Let it go. Let it grow in Jesus' name. Speak to us, Lord. We pray for wisdom. Pray for Pastor Paul and Ashley and the team. Lord, this is going to be the right thing at the right time, doing the right thing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Amen. Well, we're going to worship God as we give. And really the last part of this message is that our hands were made to worship. Our hands were made to worship. And so right now as we give to God, you can take your time uh, filling out your envelope. The ushers will be passing by the buckets if you want to text to give. And then once the buckets come by, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship God today for what he has done and what he's doing and what he's about to do. You're the name above all names. You are And my heart can see how great Let's lift our hands this morning, hands to worship. You're the name above all names. Lord, we praise you. invite those of you that are facing some battles right now, those that need a miracle in this room. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe you're believing for debt freedom. Maybe you're believing for a promotion. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're releasing and stretching your faith for God to do more in and through your life. If that's you, I want you to just leave your seat as a step of faith. And if you'll come down to this altar today, I believe that as we release our praise and our worship, God's going before us. He's coming behind us. He's coming beside us. There's something powerful about worship. When we lift our hands to God and we worship Him, worthy are you, God. In the Old Testament, they would always send the worshipers before the fighters. It was like worship was paving the way for the breakthrough. Worship and praise was paving the way for the miracle. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. I know, Lord. Yeah.
something amazing happened in the 9 a.m. service we were worshiping just like this towards the end and uh, and when I shared the vision I I forgot to say in this service that that even though that seven's coming in our our goal for and able to do this to to be able to accomplish it is 11 million and that we have to raise four more million over the next two years to hit that by vision 2020 this is gonna be a a thing we're gonna see come to pass in 2020 well as we were worshiping Someone came up and they brought a note. They said, while, while we've been worshiping, God laid it on the heart of, of a person in the church to sow $100,000 this morning towards that $4 million. And again, while you start to worship, God starts to, when we release what's in our hands, maybe you're here right now and you're carrying burdens, worries, stress, anxiety. Just cast it all on the Lord. Lord, we worship you, God. You're never gonna let me down, God. God says, yeah, yeah, just give it all. Just release it. Don't hold anything back. Maybe some of you, you feel handcuffed to your past. God says the key to set your hands free is worship. There's a key to break free of those handcuffs you've been in to the debt, to the fear, to the depression, to the addiction, to the alcohol, the addiction, to the nicotine, the addiction, to the pornography. God says, I've given you the hand, the key to set your hands free. And it's in your praise and worship. As you start to use your hands for good, I'm going to change what the enemy has been trying to use your hands for evil. I'm about to break the shackles off your hands.
says, I love you. I forgive you. I'm working all things together for good. You got a bright future. just see God reaching his arms out like the father of the prodigal son saying come on home son I got everything you need right here in the house everything you've been searching for he says I'm gonna give you mercy and grace forgiveness I'm gonna lead you beside still waters I'm gonna strengthen you I'm gonna restore your soul for the person that felt like they lost it you felt like you failed God says I'm gonna lift you up out of the pit that you went into I'm going to pull you out of that discouragement, out of that failure, out of that depression. The world is waiting for the greatest comeback story, and that it's going to come out of the church. God says, I've got a comeback story for you. What looked like a setback is a setup for a comeback victory. God says, I'm going to lead you into a life of victory. What the enemy meant for harm, I'm going to turn around for good. Where the enemy thought he had you cornered, I'm about to deliver you for my name's sake, God says for the glory of God. Mm, yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside still waters. Oh, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I will not fear. I'm coming out of here, yeah. He prepares a table before me, yeah. In the presence of my enemies, he's about to shine you with favor. out of the valley I'm coming out of the valley coming out of the shadow oh, death you are beaten God has the victory dwell in his house Jesus I'll stay in his presence 
It's greater than any place There's peace in his house I know we've stayed a little longer today and typically we dismiss by now, but I feel like God's doing something in your heart. If you have to run out, go for it. But I feel like right now God's, God's touching some people's lives. I, I, I feel like God's saying you're coming out of that valley you've been walking in. You were never, it was never a permanent place. The shadow of death, it was never a permanent, it's just a shadow. You were never meant to die there. Your dream was never meant to die. God says, I've got a plan. Just like I I have a plan for Paul and victory, I pulled that dream back off the shelf. God says, I'm going to bring some dreams to pass you've been sitting on for 20 years. God says, you've been waiting and, and get ready, victory. Acceleration. This is the year of acceleration. You might... The world might say, man, that's happening fast. They don't know what you've walked through. They don't know how many times you've cried, waiting and hoping, wondering if God hears you. God says, I've counted all your tears. I've caught all your prayers. No prayer goes unnoticed by God. God said, I have an appointed time for that breakthrough. You're coming out of the valley. You're coming out of the shadow. Get ready. Get ready. God says, I'm your shepherd. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. And it's not for your glory. It's not for your name's sake. It's for my name's sake, God says. It's for the glory of God. And so the world will know there's a God who loves them that's greater than anything they've been taught, that's greater than any confusion that they've had uh, from, from any person that's tried to distract them from the word of God. That God says, I'm going to take those hands that you feel like are dirty and messed up and unclean, and I'm going to use those hands to touch your city, to touch the world, to change your family. The future is in your hands. Release whatever it is you've been holding on to, the shame, the guilt, the regret, the bitterness the pride the arrogance God says it's not about you it's all about God and God's going to use you let's pray this together if you're here today with heads bowed and eyes closed if you're not right with God you want to get right with God this is your moment if you say man I need to surrender to Jesus if you if you if you're right now at that point I want you to just lift your hand up maybe you need freedom in your life maybe you've been addicted to something you need freedom right now from that addiction you needed salvation you're saying I need to reach my hand out I need God to pull me out of this pit that I've been in depression yeah let's pray this together say Jesus thank you thank you for rescuing me thank you for saving me thank you for your forgiveness you gave your life for mine so that I could have eternity with you Jesus I surrender to you all I am I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. God, thank you for cleansing me. Use my life, my hands, my feet, all I am for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. It's gonna be your best week yet.